Good morning. You guys look great today. We want to welcome those of you online as well. If you're in the lakeside room or the family room with your littles, we're glad you're here with us. And uh, my name is Jack Guerra. I'm one of the uh, pastors on staff and I'm one of the, the teaching team members. And uh, I came, I've been in Green Bay almost nine years now, nine full years. And one of the things that I love from the minute I got here that I knew it was a connect, kind of helped, helped it feel like home, was the fact that Green Bay really does have kind of this no-nonsense, brass tacks, blue-collar backbone. And you say not everyone's that, and that's true, but when you look at some of the industry and some of the agriculture and just the mindset overall, I think it's there. People expect to get up and go to work in the morning. They put their boots on. You can see it in the city. You can see it in the skyline and some of the factories. You can see it in the, kind of like the, the mentality of the football team. I don't care what you look at. You're going to see a little bit of that um, blue-collar mindset. And there are, there are office jobs, yes. There are white-collar jobs. But no one's going to mistake us for New York or L.A. or San Francisco or Dallas or Houston. No one's going to mistake us for an Ivy League community. No one, not too many places in Green Bay, you're going to walk around and see people drinking with their pinkies up. Not going to happen. It's just kind of who we are. And for me, I love that. I love what you see is what you get. Give me, give me real. And it's um, kind of interesting because when we look at this new series we're about to start and the main character we're going to be talking about, that's him. He comes from a blue collar, more agricultural, even farming background. And he is what you see is what you get. We're going to be looking at Amos over the next seven weeks. It's a book in the Bible in the Old Testament. It's what's called a prophetic book. And we'll talk about all that in the weeks to come. He wrote this book when God calls him to speak out at a time when it is very unpopular to do so. He's untrained for what he's been asked to do. What he's got to say, not too many people are going to like it. His enemies aren't going to like it, and his friends sure aren't going to like it as well. But he does it anyway. So today I want to introduce you to Amos. Before we get too far into the person of Amos, let me tell you a little bit of background about where Amos is from. He comes from a land that went through a civil war, not much different than our civil war. Except when America came back together, north and south, where he's from, never did. So there was a very clear north and south. In the Bible, you hear it referred to as the north and south kingdoms. Amos is from the northern kingdom. He's from Wisconsin, not Alabama. So we see this divide even in the country, and yet he is clearly from one of them, and God says, I want you to speak to both. The northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom in this divide is called Judah. Northern Israel, southern Judah. Now, which one is Amos from? Northern, very good. What's it called? Israel. Israel. Good, you guys are on it today. Um, after the war, after this big civil war, they're constantly under attack. They're constantly being raided and divided. They're always fighting. And after a long stretch of being under attack, for you history buffs, this is around 780 to 745 BC, the Assyrian army... And their empire is now unable to keep fighting. They've been doing this for about a century, and they just can't keep the pressure on these other nations. And because of this, they back off of Israel and Judah. And with this backing off, all of a sudden, both Israel and Judah begin to stabilize. 
Their governments become more stable. They got a wicked, wicked leader in a guy named, by the name of Jeroboam. He's in that northern kingdom. But all of a sudden, the, the government stabilized because they're not constantly at war. Financially, their resources aren't going to other countries to try and fight. So their finances begin to, to climb. They have peace in the land. And all of a sudden, they think to themselves, we got it. We got it going on. God must be peachy with how we are because look at all the blessing we're getting and the opposite was actually true. You see, as they got more blessed and as more good started their way, they turned their prosperity into excess and they turned their excess into abuse. Think Great Gatsby or if you want to think more common time or more uh, recent time, think the Hunger Games. Because all of a sudden they went from look what we've got to look who we can walk on. And God's not okay with that. No matter how much blessing they may be seeing in their land, God calls it out. Israel kept saying, we're going into a golden era. This is going to be a new time for us and everything's going to be great. They thought if we're at peace and we're prosperous, God's ready to launch us forward. The truth is, in just a few short years, Israel won't even exist as a nation anymore. They're going to be torn to pieces by 722 BC. Assyria regains strength, begins to rally again, and Israel would be conquered and exiled. Now, Amos's unhappy task is at the high point of the finances, at the high point of all this blessing. He's supposed to go in and go, guys, you're screwing up. You are not living the way God has called you to live. And it's not just a hammer drop. We're going to see this in a minute. It is a wake-up call because what God's goal is, is restoration of his people to be right with him. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loved them then, he loves us today. I today want to go at about 10,000 feet and look at some things we're going to see over these next seven weeks as we look in the book of Amos. Now, let me reiterate some things about Amos. Number one, he's a blue-collar guy. He doesn't play political games. He's not going to fit into a socially elite anything. Secondly, he does not dress or play church. When you read how he responds to things, he doesn't play games. When Amos shows up and speaks, he's going to say what God has told him to speak. Third, in the middle of the prosperity, he came with a message from the people, from God, for the church, and for the good old neighboring heathen communities. But his true target, and we'll talk about this throughout these weeks, is God's people. It is not all the evil people out there. It starts with God's people. And it's not just against things we would typically call sin. He calls out a heart issue. Amos speaks very clearly on this. You're gonna see all of this in, a, in weeks to come. Now, I want a rabbit trail for just a second. You're used to hearing me say that by now. Um, because when we look at people in the Bible, it's really easy to think, well, look what God did with them. Look how God called them out. Look who God uses. They must have been. They've been trained for. They spoke about. Amos is a very regular dude. Amos is a, a herdsman. And some historians say he was a fig farmer. This is not a guy with elite status. This is not someone who's been trained in all this stuff. And yet look who God chooses to speak. I can't speak. I'm too young. I'm not skilled. At... Okay, Jeremiah, that's exactly what he said. And that's who God used. I can't speak. I stutter. Okay, Moses, 
And yet that's exactly who God used. I'm too much of a common man. Okay, Elijah, that's exactly who God used. John the Baptist, common man. Peter, common man. Fisherman. Esther, why would God use me? I'm from an outcast people. And yet that's exactly who God uses. Ruth, a widow with nothing, has to go and pick up grain that's left over on the ground after all the the people have picked up the, all the, the, um, the agriculture and all the, the plants that were supposed to be picked. She had nothing else, and yet that's who God uses. When you think you can't be used, be ready. When you think, oh, God wouldn't pick me, be ready. And I say that, and some of you hear me, and you think, it can't be me, and others of you are going, I don't want it to be me. <laughs> I know how this works, But don't ever rule anyone out because someone that God chooses, he'll bless them, he'll equip them. He'll bless you, he'll equip you. (coughs) Here's how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25 through 31. A lot of our verses today, because we're gonna highlight through through Amos, are gonna be on the scripture. Thanks. (laughs) I'm well hydrated. 1 Corinthians chapter one, beginning at verse 25. It says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Anyone relate to this? But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We're gonna see with Amos' life He didn't have much to boast about. And then for those who say, you know what? I'm pretty well off. I don't qualify for this. Watch how God will use where he's placed you in a way that can be very humbling for us. Here's what I want you to tell the person beside you. Don't worry, he'll equip you. Come on, tell the person beside you. Don't worry, he'll equip you. Don't worry, he'll equip you because some of you have some people in your life right now that you don't know what to do about them. You don't know how to handle it. Pray for them. God's given you the heart for them. Pray for them. He's put you in a place at work where he's called you to speak out. He's brought someone into your life or maybe it's the person you see in the mirror that he's called you to step up and make the change. Don't worry, he'll equip you. Take the steps and be faithful. So this is Amos. This is who we're gonna be talking about for the next seven weeks. I'm gonna read Amos chapter one, just verses one and two this morning to to start us off. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash was king of Israel. He said, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the tops of Carmel withers. Carmel was a mountain range, Mount Carmel back then, so it's what they would have all seen. Now, 
What are we gonna take away from this? I'm gonna give you three things just to be aware of as we go into the series. Here's the first one. One of the goals of this book is for all of us to take a good hard look in the mirror. A good hard look in the mirror. The books of the prophets and Amos in particular is written to God's covenant people. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking into God. You're still trying to figure out who he is. Honestly, this book isn't really written for that crowd. It's not written for you, but we're glad you're here. I want you to listen in because following Jesus is not always cupcakes and unicorns. Sometimes there's a tough word, but it's not so he can beat us up. It's not so he can tear us down. It's so there's restoration and right relationship with God and how we reflect him to others. That's always, when you read through it, that's the voice and the call of the prophet. Yes, these oracles are also to the nation's more generally, but you're gonna see that God is mostly speaking to his people and calling them into account. When we read passages about God's judgment, our first level of application is not America. It is not a political system or an organization or a movement or an ideology. We don't see God calling out the enemies we don't like. When prophets speak, it's to God's people. And at some point, if we're listening, it's gonna step on our toes for the right reasons. We apply these verses first to ourselves as members of God's people and corporately to the church. Remember, God has one people. And in the New Testament, we see that those who are in Christ are his people. You can see that in Romans 11 if you wanna go look it up. Here's what Amos says in Amos 3.2, speaking on behalf of God. He says, hear this word, people of Israel. The word of the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your sins. We're gonna get into what that looks like a little further into the book. In 1 Peter, we go from the Old Testament, the books before Jesus, to the New Testament. 1 Peter, this is how Peter says it in 1 Peter 4.17. He says, for it is time for judgment to begin with who? God's household. That's us. Those of us who claim to be in Christ, Jesus followers, it starts with us. And once again, the judgment isn't to hammer us down and have us feeling like dirt. The goal of the judgment is a right relationship with him. To turn from the things that are rebellious against him, that are sin, and to follow Jesus. We'll get more into that. So we're gonna start with a look in the mirror. Here's the second thing we're gonna see in this. <clears throat> is we're gonna learn God's heart. We're gonna learn God's heart. Now in the last series we just finished, prophet, priest, king, and God, we talked about the prophet. The prophet's goal was very similar to what we call the, um, the press secretary in our country. No matter who the president is, they have a press secretary. The press secretary has one job, relate to the heart of the president to the nation. Whether you agree with it or not, relay the heart of the president to the nation. The prophet's role was to relay the heart of God to the people of God, to make it clear. So whatever's going on in God's heart, when a prophet speaks, a lot of times they would speak first person because they were speaking on God's behalf and they wanted to make clear what God loves and what God hates, what God is pleased with and what God is calling onto the table and what needs to change. 
We need to let these prophetic words shape our conception of God so that we don't try and create this fairy tale, imaginary picture of who God is somewhere out there. We need to see who God really is from his heart and not disconnect it from his words because he is a God of justice. He is a God of truth. He is a God of grace. He is a God of love. And those two are not combatants. They're the same heart. Once again, the justice and the truth come from a place of love. And his love comes from his truth. We're talking about a God here who created the universe. So his moral standards are the moral standard. And they don't change. We need to understand that throughout this series. We want to pray that over this series, we grow in our concern for what concerns God. And we're moved to action both individually and corporately. Amos 5, 12 through 15 gives us a little bit of a snapshot of what this heart of God looks like. He says, for I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. That's a theme throughout this book. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Once again, this is the creator of the universe. His ethical norms and standards are universal, and they don't change. Here's five things. They're not going to be on the screens because you're going to hear them in the weeks to come, but to hear God's heart, you're going to hear these things. First of all, how you treat all people matters. How you treat all people matters. Justice and righteousness in the treatment of other people are key evidences of a right relationship with God. Old Testament and New Testament, it matters. Secondly, religious observances in the absence of justice are disgusting to God. He can't stand it and he will call it out every time. Don't come and play church and then go out and live like the devil. There needs to be a consistency and an integrity. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. My second year here, cool. A guy came into Saturday night and he was a little miffed. It's still a little time before church starts. And he lets me know with no uncertain terms that he just lit up the young girl working at McDonald's down the road and cussed her out because she was gonna make him late for church for his hamburger. I was like, you didn't tell her what church you go to, did you? There is such a contradiction, and God is vehemently opposed to that. Who we are needs to be consistent. That's another thing we're going to hear. Our integrity counts. Our integrity counts before God and before people. And because it counts before God, it should count before people. And because God wants it to count before people, it shows that it counts to God. Who are you and no other Christians are around? It matters. The day of the Lord is referred to throughout this book and people saw it as a time when God was gonna come and deliver and look, we got money, we got jobs, we've got peace, we've got security, we're at the top of the food chain. God must be blessing us. This is the day of the Lord. It's not the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when he calls us to be right with him and sometimes that's a painful day. 
We need to be ready for those moments. You see, in the Old Testament, there was this problem where the kings would bring prophets around them who would say good things about them. You are the best king who's ever lived. God says so, or the gods say so. You are the most triumphant king. You are the most glorious king. And these kings were like, oh no, stop, (laughs) really. They ate it up and they believed the lies. And as you're gonna see, they walked all over people because of it. They lived in sin. Amos, as we said, doesn't play that game. If you're calling Amos in, you better be ready for truth because that's what he's gonna hit you in between the eyes with. Now, I wanna let you know this. Some of you have your kids in service and that's great and that's fine, but Amos gets pretty graphic on some of his judgment calls and some of the sin and the things he's gonna call out. So just be aware when we go into these next couple of weeks where we're going chapter by chapter, there's gonna be a little bit of graphic language. It's gonna be in the the high PG, low PG 13 range. Okay, Just, just so you know that that's coming. The last thing you're gonna see with this though is that God restores. It's not all about hammering people down. It's not this vengeful, spiteful God. God restores when we're willing to be right with him. You're gonna see that throughout the book. So those are the first two things to be ready for. Be ready for a look in the mirror. Be ready to get a glimpse into God's heart. Here's the third thing. Let's let God's judgment and his mercy lead us to the cross. Let's let God's judgment and his mercy lead us to the cross. We're in the Old Testament in this book. The time before Jesus, well before the cross. And we're gonna see images of judgment displayed in Amos that are gonna actually take place between 722 and 721 BC with the destruction of Israel by Assyria. Uh, The descriptions of fire and wrath and sword are all picked up in the New Testament and applied to God's final judgment. They're all kind of a foretaste of of the end of what's gonna come. For those who do not repent, those who don't turn from their rebellion, those who don't receive the love of Jesus and his forgiveness when we offer this repentance, those who don't wanna walk with the Holy Spirit and in obedience to him, when we read the Old Testament judgment, remember that there's judgment, but there's also grace. There is a warning and there's also a call to let's make it right. This is a God who wants a right relationship and the cross is the picture of that. You see on the cross, we see God's judgment on full display because sin has to be paid for. The wages of sin, the Bible tells us, is death. Where there's a crime, there must be a punishment. And God's justice must happen. And it happens on the cross with Jesus. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. When we repent, when we ask for God's forgiveness for our sins, they've been paid for. And God doesn't punish twice for the same sin. If we repented of it, if we've turned from it, if it's behind us, don't keep picking it back up. Because God's justice and his judgment was performed on the cross. But also on the cross we see his grace. Because what should have been for us was paid for by Jesus. And that's not because of how good you are or how good I am. It's because of how great he is. When we see the cross, when we look in this book, we see the judgment of God. Let's remember to see his mercy and his grace and let it lead us to the cross. Amos chapter five, (coughs) verses four through six. It says, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. 
Do not seek Bethel. Don't go to a place. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Bathsheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. That's the second time he says that. Once again, hear his heart. His goal is that we live. We live with him. In his presence is fullness of joy. The Bible says in him is fullness of life. Seek him and live. Seek the Lord and live. Or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Here's what, going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, here's what Paul writes in Romans 11 and verse 22. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Look at that mix, kindness and sternness. Both on display, God is 100% both. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you. Those who are in the family of God whose heart is to say, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna live by what I see in him. Provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. The cross is a picture of God's judgment and his mercy. And this statement is for repentance and not just to warm up to pummel us. Now, so what? Why are we doing this? What do I hope is your takeaway that after the game tonight, no matter what the outcome, you're gonna remember something from this morning. What is it I want you to take away? It's two things I want you to hear loud and clear. Number one, and both have kind of the same beginning. Number one, God speaks to us. He speaks to you, he speaks to me. It's not just for pastor people. It's for anybody. Amos shows us that, all these people we've talked about. God speaks to us. We need to listen. We need to pay attention. And secondly, when God speaks to us, we need to be ready to act. If God is calling us out on our junk individually or corporately, we need to be ready to act. You see, we love to see other people's favorite sins our favorite sins of what they're doing. We love to call it out. The Bible says we got three that we need to deal with, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. It's in every one of us and we need to make sure we push that thing down, we get it out. God has forgiven us for what we've done against him in these. So when he speaks, when we open the book of Amos, can we be ready, first of all, to listen and then secondly, be ready to act when he challenges us, maybe in an area in our life, either individually or as a church. And I'd like to close by praying to that end. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we truly believe that you had these words penned in scripture, not just for a history lesson, but for us today, for generations past, present, and future, that we would have life that we would know fullness of it in you. Not always easy. And yeah, it's a battle. But God, you've told us that we win this battle when we're in you. Lord, I pray and I start with myself. The Lord, if it starts to get uncomfortable, we don't dodge those parts. Lord, when it's something that's a tough look in the mirror, we don't turn away. Lord, if it's something that we wanna hear about what other people are stuck in and not maybe what's going on in our own hearts. That we'll surrender that to you and be willing to listen. 
that we would be representatives of you in Green Bay and Brown County and wherever you take us. God, and that we would live, as scripture says, that we would let our light shine in a way that people see our good deeds and glorify our Father who's in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. We do thank you for your justice because our heart is to be right with you. And we thank you for your mercy because it doesn't happen in our own strength. It happens because of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen.